are listening to TKO on CFRI Radio 93.3 FM in Guelph, Ontario, and available worldwide at CFRU.ca. What is happening, everybody? It's your girl Janon right here. As you already know, here on TKO, all we talk about is mixed martial arts, also known as MMA and other combat sports. We also discuss the issues that surround the world of fighting and talk about notable fighters and athletes, how they got started in the game and where they are now. So today we have a very, very special episode lineup for you guys. We have so many exciting events to talk about this upcoming weekend on Saturday night. We have Bellator 180 coming up. Man, that is going to be extremely exciting. It is going to be the return of Fedor Emelianenko. Yes, finally. And we also have Chael Sonnen. Man, Chael Sonnen is fighting Vanderlei Silva for the main event of UFC, uh, or excuse me, Bellator 180. And this is going to be Bellator's first ever pay-per-view event and this could be in Madison Square Garden so you better not miss this fight card today we're also going to be talking about the fight the boxing fight that happened over this weekend and we're going to be talking about Andre Ward versus Sergey Kovalev and their fight their exciting and controversial fight I mean last episode we said how controversial the first fight between these two was but man the rematch was even more controversial so we're definitely going to be talking about that today and also today is a special day because we actually had another guest in the studio with us holla yes but the thing is our guest wasn't actually in the studio because he was in australia and yes i am talking about lachlan james talking to us through Skype today, um, you know, uh, straight out of Australia. He's doing research at University of Ballarat um, in, uh, in the field of um, sports um, science and um, so many other things. And his specialty is in MMA. So uh, we had such a nice conversation with him today. And I mean, personally, I learned a lot. So hopefully when you're listening to this today, you learn a lot as well. And I mean, I just developed so much more, you know, such a huge appreciation for for, um, I mean, I already had a lot of appreciation for MMA, but after our conversation with Lachlan, I mean, I just appreciate it so much more, and I hope you do as well. Hey, man, we have such a great episode ahead of us, so what are we waiting for? Let's get started. Ladies and gentlemen, give it up for Lachlan James. Rejoice. All right, I am here in the studio today with Lachlan James, one of University of Ballarat's very best. How's it going, Lachlan? Hey, Janine, it's going really well. Very excited to talk to you guys here today. Perfect. So, I mean, it's just so nice to finally have you on the show. And um, I know, I mean, for the people who are listening to this right now, Lachlan is actually in Australia right now and he's Skyping with us. And I believe you're about 14 hours ahead of us right now. So, you know, just coming into this interview, we're kind of trying to figure out like how the timing is going to work. And, uh, you know, it's kind of tricky, but here we are. And let's do this, man. 
So I guess, you know, people who are listening to this right now are probably wondering, Lachlan, how did you initially get involved with the field that you're currently in? And by that, I mean exercise physiology and just overall, what is your background? Yeah, absolutely. So I'll give you a bit of a rundown on myself. So at the moment, I'm an academic and a researcher at mm-hmm. Federation University um, in Ballarat, which is just outside of Melbourne uh, in Australia. And my area of research and expertise is generally sports science, but specifically it's in um, MMA. And mm-hmm. so I just submitted my PhD thesis, which investigated uh, the sport of MMA and the athletes involved. Right. But um, my background before that is probably a little different to most academics in that I was a strength conditioning coach for about 10 years. And right. I was doing that, really enjoyed it, and of course enjoyed um, watching the sport of mixed martial arts and had some MMA mm-hmm. athletes as, um, as clients. And so in doing that, I was curious about investigating it further. So I saw an opportunity to, to research that, and then I shifted in the direction of, of research. And that's, um, that's mm-hmm. what took me to this point right now. And I guess from a, a biomechanical or a physiological perspective, MMA is really, really interesting. So not just as a fan, but right. from a scientific perspective. And the, the reason is, is because it seems as though you need a, a really broad scope of different physiological and mechanical qualities in order to succeed, whereas in many other sports, you really only need a couple. And for that reason, I really wanted to explore that in a bit more detail. Mm, Perfect. And um, I'm just wondering, you know, when you were pursuing your academics, why exercise physiology? What made it so, you know, attractive? Yeah, absolutely. So I'd probably say my field is a bit more sports science, which means you've got a bit of everything. So you've got some exercise. Okay. (laughs) But um, got some biomechanics and you do some analytics so it's a little bit of everything and try to understand a sport but what really got me into that is well I guess growing up in Australia always being active um, and that was always something that I enjoyed so my undergrad degree was in that and then I moved into uh, the real world where I had an uh, SNC strength conditioning job and then so I was always in the field mm-hmm. and so I, I always enjoyed it and then from there um, I just decided to continue to build on that and that's what took me to the, the place I am today. Right and um, you mentioned that you used to do um, strength and conditioning coaching so comparing uh, the coaching aspect and the research aspect like which one do you prefer the most? Yeah that's a really good question so The cool thing is about my field in in research and in practice is that you can combine the two. Mm -hmm. So your research can be quite applied where you're actually in the trenches is what I did for my PhD. You're testing the athletes, you're pushing them hard, you're seeing what they can do. Um, You can take it all the way to the other end where you're in laboratories and you're looking at mechanisms and things like that. And I did a little bit of that as well, but I put it all together so I could have the best of both worlds. Awesome. And... uh you, you already talked about how, you know, how you feel about MMA, and um, I believe you're a fan. Absolutely, of Okay. <laughs> and um, do you do any sort of martial arts or combat sports yourself? Uh, not at the moment, but I guess what got me into it was, so I lived in Vancouver for, for nine years. Right. And there was a, a BJJ club just down the road, mm-hmm. which had a high-level instructor at the time. It was a a Hicks and Gracie black belt. And Ooh, okay. I that'd be a great opportunity for me to, to snap that up. So I, I did that for a few years and became a, a rusty blue belt. And then when I, I relocated, 
to um to Australia, back home to Australia, which is where I'm from originally. Mm -hmm. um, I fell off the wagon a little bit, so it's something that I'd like to get back into when I when I have the time. But as anyone knows, with that sport, you really have to give it your hundred percent. Absolutely, all. yeah. <laughs> well, that's pretty interesting. I mean, I'm a huge fan of grappling myself, so you know, yeah, it's all good. You know, in Ontario, like we're in Guelph right now, so I it, like the nearest um, uh, officially certified Gracie Academy is like like 200 kilometers away so that kind of sucks oh, wow. Long yeah way. so i guess it was uh yeah good for you that you uh, actually got your blue belt so that's pretty good so no it's okay so um you know the main one of the main reasons that i really want to talk to you today on the show was uh, because i actually went through your um recent projects and the current work that you're doing right now you know in terms of um sports science and exercise physiology and mma and how all of those relate to mma so can you just please tell us a bit more about your current research and um you know just talk about the procedures and what were some of the results yeah, abs absolutely. So uh, I'll probably start from the start. Um, when I wanted to investigate MMA, there was very little done uh, on the sport. So right. I had to start from scratch. And the first place I started was looking at the, the techniques of the sport itself. So mm -hmm. I acquired all the statistics from the UFC uh, via Fightmetric, who've been incredibly helpful yeah. um, with this process. And using that data set of statistics, so we're looking at, you know, strikes landed, takedowns attempted, you know, all the stuff you see when you're watching the broadcast. Yeah. And I wanted to find out what combination of those statistics or performance indicators, we call them in, in research, mm -hmm. uh, best contributed to a win. Because when you're looking at MMA, there are so many different ways you can win or to lose, um, whereas in some other sports, it's just simply the amount of points you score. So right. in MMA, it's a bit more complex. And so what I found from that was it was the accuracy mm -hmm. of the attack. So the number of strikes landed, the number of takedowns landed, the accuracy yes. of those takedowns or strikes, um, as opposed to volumes of strike attempted or mm -hmm. volumes of takedown attempted. So that sort of was telling me that it was really the accuracy rather than the volume that, that made the difference. Mm -hmm. And so the next step from that was to actually test the athletes. So I tested about about 40 to 50 competitive MMA fighters across Australia and across Canada okay. to see what separated a pro from an amateur physiologically and biomechanically. So when we're mm -hmm. talking about that, we're talking about things like strength and power, endurance, mm -hmm. um, anaerobic qualities, all that sort of stuff to see which of those qualities distinguished pros from amateurs the most. And what we found was not surprisingly, they all really matter. So all of those qualities were higher in the pros and they were lower in the amateurs. Mm -hmm. But the real question was, what distinguished the groups the most? Which qualities? And it seemed like, interestingly enough, that strength and power really distinguished pros from amateurs mm -hmm. more so than endurance. Now, endurance is vital. Don't get me wrong, you have to have that. But what really seemed to distinguish those two groups were strength and power. And that seemed to fit in with technique accuracy as well from a, a biomechanical standpoint because having good power or velocity is what helps you put your technique where you want it to be at mm -hmm. the time you want it to be there. And so that's what I really teased out of my research to date is that you, you need everything um, and strength and power seem to be particularly important. Right. Okay. 
You know, it kind of reminds me of this thing that, you know, personally happened to me when you were talking about the different, like the physiological differences between amateurs and professionals. You know, back in the day when I used to take Taekwondo classes, um, you know, w uh, during the days that I was just getting started, you know, my instructor would um, let me train with the pros and like the black belts. And I was just kind of shocked because personally, you know, when I, w I was really young and I wasn't, you know, that physically prepared. So, you know, I was kind of shocked at what she was doing. And I was like, is this really the right thing? And I mean, you know, eventually I just um, I got injured because, you know, she was pretty much giving me all the same um, workouts and, um, you know, conditionings that she was giving the black belts. And so I, I guess I just had to quit. So, you know, I was going to ask you about, you know, whether there is a clear line between um, uh, how amateurs should train and how professionals should train. So, you know, do yeah, you have that, any ideas on that? Yeah, absolutely. Well, what we're seeing is, is as you become more trained, almost in, in any capacity, and particularly in MMA, you, you get more specific adaptations to right. a training stimulus, which means when you're training as a high-level fighter, you really need to hit all the marks precisely mm -hmm. to a particular quality. So if you're deficient in a certain area, it's really important that you design a training intervention to specifically target that. Mm -hmm. Now, whereas if you're a, a developmental MMA fighter or you're, you're upcoming, you'll get kind of general adaptations anywhere. Right. So you don't need to be incredibly specific to the extent that you need to be as a pro. So you'll receive mm -hmm. sort of general adaptations. So I think that that's what you'll see is as you become um, a high level fighter, you really need to target your training interventions to the areas that need that attention. Whereas at a lower level, mm -hmm. you can kind of just do a little bit of everything and you'll see a, a good response. Right. And just going back to your study, were there any limitations with the study that you were doing? Yeah, absolutely. And there always is in, in science, and particularly when mm -hmm. you're trying to do an implied investigation. So there's always a bit of a trade-off is the more applied you go with your scientific research, the less um, controlled it can be. So I guess, guess the big part was I wish I had more participants. And that's always going to be the trouble with, with MMA because... Right said before you don't you don't have a, a team where you have all of a sudden you've got 40 professionals and then 40 semi-professionals you can get a really clear idea of what's going on yeah. so i had to travel the world essentially to get the number that i did and I, I wish i could have had more so i guess that was a limitation as well and another thing i'd really like to explore but it'll be very hard is the response to training interventions in mma athletes but because mm -hmm. in research you need a, a really decent number of participants in order to get some sort of an effect um, or to see some sort of an effect, it's hard to do in, in MMA athletes. So if I could wave a magic wand and have 40 MMA fighters that can do a particular training intervention and 40 that do an alternate training intervention, yeah. amazing. But unfortunately, that's just not something that, that's feasible in our sport. You know what? You should go on the um, Ultimate Fighter, the show, and just, um, you know, do testings on the athletes, like, right there. Because you know how the teams work, right? So yeah, there's, like, so many so many professional fighters there. And, you know, <laughs> the, U the UFC needs to talk to you. So, you know, if they actually <laughs> do, it's going to be pretty interesting. Well, well, thanks for saying that. You know, what, what I'm trying to do with my research is not only learn how to train and develop a fighter but also you know possibly how to identify a good fighter and also looking at how you can manage and monitor 
the training loads that they that they do, which we know is extensive because they have so many different disciplines they have to attack, mm. how to manage that training stress in order to minimize um, injury risk. Mm-hmm. And I think, and I know injury is a problem in our sport, and I think that it, by looking at the volume of training that they do and managing that in, in a sensible way and then having good testing procedures in place, mm. we can really start to mitigate the likelihood of injury in the sport and lead to a, a healthier, um, more more durable fighter. Right. And that kind of leads me to my next question. So do you think there's such a thing as overtraining, especially in MMA? Yeah, absolutely. That there is such thing as an overtrain okay. as overtraining in sport. Um, and if it's pretty prevalent in MMA, I, I dare say, simply because like I said before, they need they have so many disciplines that they have to um, be involved in. And they have variety of coaches that they're managing. So it's hard to keep track of the the training volume and the training load that mm-hmm. they're doing. So as a consequence of that, they end up doing more than they should in many cases or distributing it in possibly a way that leads to more fatigue. So when you're training, you get this balance between a training stimulus, which gives you an adaptation, and fatigue, which masks that adaptation. And what you want to do is manage both of them. So you need these periods of of lower intensity, lower volume training so the fatigue can dissipate and you need the periods of high intensity training so you can get the, the stimulus and adaptation. And if you don't have periods of restitution in there and good tapering strategies, then you won't see the performance gains that you should be seeing from all the hard work you're putting in. So I think it's a big issue and I think it's something that um, I'd like to explore further and that's next on the cards is how to manage that training stress mm-hmm. to ensure that overtraining doesn't come into play and they can perform at their best because with overtraining that's where you see this increased likelihood of injury um, both contact and non-contact so that's something that's absolutely a a big issue in sports particularly concurrent sports where you need strength power and endurance but particularly in in mma even more so Mm -hmm. yeah you know like you see all of these athletes um you know some athletes just doing say 100 rounds of sparring and just you know really hard training and just heavy rounds of i guess just sparring like over and over again and i guess they just don't realize like it it just it can eventually gas them out and just you know not let them perform to the best of their abilities by the time they actually have to fight right yeah absolutely and you need that hard training so you can adapt but if it's not managed in the correct way way then there is this this massive increase in, in injury risk and decrease in performance. So mm-hmm. the, the trick is to manage that stress. And like I said before, it's particularly hard in MMA where the coaches are distributed over so many different locations. You don't really have too often one overall coach like you would in a, a team setting that can sort of foresee all the other coaches and, and manage what all those other coaches are doing. And I think that's the challenge in, in MMA. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just going back to your recent study, I was just thinking right now, and um, you mentioned that, you know, through your your results, you figured out that um, it, it was through power and strength, correct, that um, professional fighters were distinguished from amateur ones, right? And I'm just thinking, say, two people are going to fight each other, and they both have the same, they're both at the same level in terms of striking, right? 
and say one person doesn't doesn't do any sparring or any drills in terms of striking to prepare for this fight. However, they do a lot of, um, you know, say powerlifting or just um, do a lot of things to uh, help with their strength and power. And so when these two people actually get to fight, would it be fair to say that the person who worked on his um, power and strength can ultimately, you know, come on top and be the dominator in this fight? Uh, absolutely not. Um, you okay. know, MMA is such a highly technical sport that it's it's the technique that dr drives performance. There's no yes. doubt about it. Um, okay. Particularly where there are so many techniques involved uh, and so many different strategies, it's absolutely technique that drives it. And, and that's what um, one of my first studies showed where we did a technical analysis of the sport. Their ability to precisely land a strike Mm -hmm. you know, which comes down to excellent technique rather than just throwing a whole bunch of strikes that may or may not land. So it's technique driven. Um, but when we're talking about the, the physiology or the mechanics of the sport, we're talking about it in that particular context, which is only a really small fraction of what makes a successful fighter. You know, you have mm -hmm. so many other there's, you know, technical and then there's psychological um, and environmental. So there's a whole heap of things that go into performance. But when you're just looking at it from a physiological perspective and you had to weigh up, <clears throat> excuse me, what's really important? Is it endurance? Is it intermittent ability? Is it anaerobic? Is it strength? Is it power? Which ones of those are the most important? You'd have to go, they all really matter. There's no doubt about it. And you can't not have one. Mm -hmm. um, but it seems as though these strength power attributes really rise to the top. Um, right. So you need a combination of everything. But don't neglect your strength and power. I think that's an important factor. Don't be fearful of developing that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that really makes sense. Also, do you think there's such a thing as a fighting IQ? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that comes down to, to the coaching perspective. And that's something mm. that, that is out of my uh, realm as a, as a sports scientist or a strength conditioning scientist. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not an MMA coach. But that when it com that's when it comes down to the coaching. And that's... That's what drives the sport is the technique and the combat strategies. And that's that's the most important component. So I think your fight IQ, as I would understand it, would be driven by the coach and the athlete's experience with the coach and the strategies they put in place. But but absolutely, there, there's no doubt about it. And because mm. it is such a technical sport, um, I think fight IQ is a, is a crucial component of that. Mm -hmm, definitely. And um, again, just going back to your current research, um, just how do you see the future of your project, you know, play out? I mean, you already talked about this briefly, but I just want to, you know, let's just go into more detail about this. So how do you see the future of your project play out? And how do you see your results and, you know, possibly results from other similar projects uh, just impact MMA in the future? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I think the big area of exploration now for myself and my research team is to look at managing training load and training stress mm -hmm. in MMA athletes to prevent or minimize overtraining, which therefore leads to a decreased likelihood of injury in the sport. And we know that that's, that's really an issue now. So I think that's the, the area of big exploration that um, I've started to tap into and will be really sinking my teeth into over the next few years. And, and I think that's, that's an important thing to, to be explored. So that's the area that um, I'm really looking at right now. Mm -hmm, perfect. 
I mean, man, I'm already learning so much because they're just, I mean, I feel like it's through all of these stuff that you just appreciate MMA so much more and I guess the science behind it. So, you know, just thank you so much for sharing all of your knowledge and expertise with us. I mean, I personally really appreciate it. I'm pretty sure the fans listening to this right now also really, really appreciate it. So one last thing before I let you go, um, do you have any um, pages on social media? So like Twitter or Facebook so that the fans can actually catch up with you? Yeah, absolutely. So probably the best way is to hit me up on Twitter and my handle is at Lock James. So that's L-A-C-H-J-A-M-E-S. So that's short for Lachlan James. So at Lock James on Twitter. Hit me up there and I'm happy to answer any questions at all. All right, perfect. Thank you so much for coming on TKO and we really, really appreciate this. And the next time that you actually come to Canada, please come to Guelph. We would love to have you, to actually physically have you in the studio with us. Yeah, it'd be my pleasure, Janelle. Thank you so much for having me. All right, thank you. everybody what's up so i hope that you enjoyed that interview with lachlan james i mean personally ever since our talk with lachlan every single time that i watch an mma fight or a boxing fight i can't help but think about all of the i guess science behind that fight and like all the physiological factors that go into it so yeah man all right, man, let's quickly move on to Andre Ward versus Sergey Kovalev. I mean, we're almost out of time, but I'm just going to quickly break it down. So coming into the fight, both guys were extremely confident, especially uh, Sergey Kovalev. He was just, um, you know, on another level psychologically. So coming into the fight, the fight starts. Let me tell you this. For the first eight rounds, it is extremely, extremely close. I wouldn't give it to anybody. If it wasn't a championship fight, I would just give it a draw because it was just so close. And the thing is, Andre Ward was, you know, he was doing the same thing that he was doing in the first fight, which was to just concentrate on uh, on the volume of strikes and just um, keeping up the stamina. However, Striker Kovalev, I don't know what was up with him. He... Uh, he he didn't have that knockout um, motivation, you could say, in him anymore. So he just wanted to uh, play Andre Ward's game. And he also wanted to, you know, throw a lot of volume, which just like we said in our previous episode, isn't really his thing. So I don't know why he was doing that. So because of that, you know, it, the fight just looked extremely close until the eighth round. And let me just tell you this, throughout the entire fight... Andre Ward would throw so many groin shots, okay? He would, th- he would throw so many of those, and the referee would not say a word. And as you guys already know, if this happens in MMA, you, you know, the referee stops the fight, gives the, the, gives the guy who took the shot about five minutes to recover, and then after he's good to go, the fight just resumes. And if that happens again, he would uh, warn the other guy and perhaps even disqualify the guy. But this time around, the referee did not did not only say anything, but he just um you know he just said okay continue fighting. And in the in the last round, the two were fighting, and then Andre Ward caught Sergey 
Sergey Kovalev with a big right hand, which really did rock Sergey Kovalev. However, it wasn't because of that headshot that um, Sergey Kovalev was just like wobbling around. It was because of the repetitive groin shots that Andre Ward was throwing towards Sergey Kovalev, and it was just so unfair to watch because the referee would would not say anything, and it was just so obvious to everybody in the arena and whoever was watching. And so, can you guess what happened? The referee stopped the fight because of the groin shot. He he <laughs> he said that it was a TKO in favor of Andre Ward because of uh, low blows, basically. And it just doesn't make sense, man. It was just so unfair to watch. And listen, man, I'm not taking anybody's side here. Just like he said, Andre Ward had a fantastic performance. I mean, despite all of those groin shots. And so did Sergey Kovalev. But I wish... The referee would have, um, you know, had a better judgment and wouldn't just, <laughs> you know, let all of this unfairness continue for the whole length of the fight. So, yeah, man, I was extremely pissed off, to be honest. And I mean, I, I, I just want the fights to be fair. And um, as much as we want the fight to be exciting, but we just want them to be fair for both of these fighters. But <laughs> it wasn't fair that night. So, yeah, man, there you have that. Unfortunately, we're almost out of time, man. <sighs> okay, so... Okay, what do I have to say? Oh, yeah. So make sure that you catch up with Bellator 180 on Saturday night. Do not mess it. We're going to be breaking it down next week. It's going to be pretty exciting. And other than that, I guess that is all we have for you today. So, hey, fam, make sure that you go to CFRE.ca to catch up with TKO. And uh, until next week, it's your girl Janon right here. And this is TKO. Peace out. Peace out.